Today we're going to be continuing our, our sermon series that we started last week on the book of Joshua. Uh, today we come to chapter 2. And, and the point of the series is, is Joshua is a fantastic book with a lot of great stories of God's power and, and, and God's intervention for his people. Stories of great faith. Uh, but it's also a book that really highlights God's promises. You know, the Bible teaches that God is a God who makes promises. But then God is also a God who 100% keeps his promises. And, and we'll be looking at different promises as we go through. And today the promise that we come to is that God will save all who put their trust in him. The, the verse I want to begin with today is um, out of a different book of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. And we, we hear this about Rahab, who is the focus of this chapter. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, there are certain occupations that we associate with certain biblical characters, Right. We hear their name and we jump to what they did for a living. For instance, Abraham was a herdsman. David, before he became the king, was a shepherd. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, they were all prophets. In, in the New Testament, we see Peter and Andrew, they were fishermen before they met Jesus and became disciples. Um, Matthew and Zacchaeus, both of them were tax collectors when they met Jesus. And Joseph, Jesus' father, was, what, a carpenter, right? We talk about Jesus being the carpenter's son. We mentioned Rahab, and one occupation and one only comes to our mind when we hear her name. Rahab, the scripture tells us, was a prostitute. She traded, she traded sex for money in what's been called the world's oldest occupation. Now, the Bible makes no bones about what she did and makes no effort to try to shine it up, clean it up, and, and to cover it up. And so the first time we meet Rahab is in verse 1 of what was just read, where she's called a prostitute named Rahab. Again, in chapter 6, twice she's called Rahab the prostitute. And if that's not enough, twice in the New Testament, when her name is mentioned, Hebrews 11, by faith the prostitute Rahab, in James chapter 2, Rahab the prostitute. And that's five times in all when you think, well, one would probably be enough. I mean, who wants to have their name associated with, with that trade. Uh, it's not an easy thing for us to face. There's all sorts of synonyms for what she did. Hooker, street walker, call girl, so on and so forth. But they, all those names basically point to a woman who is in a sad, desperate place where she has to, for whatever reason, sell her body for money. You know, I wonder if we've lost a sense of how degrading that is. We, you know, Hollywood sometimes glamorizes it a little bit, like in movies like Pretty Woman, things like that. It becomes very casual, and we're not surprised by it anymore. But, 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 but no matter what we think about it, any sort of sexual sin leaves, leaves marks upon a person. And I imagine Rahab's occupation had severely marked her and damaged her. Uh, she probably had given up any hope of ever turning her life around. Probably thought, this is who I am. I'm stuck in this. This is how people see me. And she just probably was settled in that. But the great news of Joshua chapter 2 is that God has other ideas. You see, God can take our moments of shame, our life of shame, and in a single moment of redemption, turn it into good news, into hope, and a new beginning. Now, the biblical record doesn't really give us many details about Rahab. It doesn't really tell us much. We know she lived in, in Jericho. We know that she lived in a place close to the city wall. She was obviously well-known by the men of the city because the spies knew exactly how to get to her house when they asked around. 
And we know that the king of Jericho knew who she was and where she lived. But there are many things we don't know about her. We don't know how she got into prostitution. We don't know anything about her family background. You know, maybe she'd been abused. Who knows? Maybe she had to run away from an abusive husband. We don't know anything about her religion other than she was not raised to believe in the God of Israel. And we, we don't know what her state of mind was when the spies came along. Maybe she was looking for a, a way out, a way to start over. But we do know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, a, a very startling thing. Because Hebrews chapter 11 is, is a verse or a chapter in the Bible. It's called the, the Faith Hall of Fame. It's called the Faith Hall of Fame because it has a listing of, of many, many men and women from the Bible who were heroes of the faith. Think about that. Rahab the prostitute is listed in Hebrews 11 in the Faith Hall of Fame. Think about some of the names that are there. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. You have Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Samuel, the prophets. And in the midst of this, you find Rahab the prostitute. How did she end up in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11? If ancient Israel had a a Mount Rushmore, her name, her face would be up there with all these great heroes of the faith. It's mind-blowing when you think about it. In one fell swoop, God reaches down and and he rearranges all our neat little categories. In our mind, we'd probably do it like this. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, David, Moses, all those great guys. Oh, over here, Rahab, the prostitute. But God always views things differently than us. And God evaluates people much, much differently than the world does. You see, the world saw her as a harlot. That's what she was. That's what she did. Past tense. But through the grace of God, she becomes a hero of the faith. She becomes a woman of the faith. There's a commentator named Philip Hughes, and when he was writing on Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame chapter, he makes some comments about Rahab, which I think are interesting. He notes, first, she was a woman in a world in which women were often mistreated, disvalued, and, and taken for granted. And in Hebrews 11, the writer of Hebrews includes two women, Sarah, wife of Abraham, and Rahab, the prostitute. And he notes that by including a woman like this, the writer wants us to know that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Second, he notes that her, her occupation magnifies the grace of God. You know, Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but sometimes in our minds we categorize who's worse. In God's economy, we're all on the same level. All sin is an affront to God. And, and, and her, her experience, Rahab's experience, really highlights that for us and demonstrates that grace is for all people, all sinners, when they come and put their trust in him. Because if God can save her, he certainly can save you, and he can certainly save me. Another thing we note from here is that, you know, Rahab was a Gentile. She was not an Israelite. She was not a part of the family of God originally. And yet by faith, she's accepted by God and by his people. And her life is really a fulfillment of her promise made by God back in Genesis chapter 12 when he told Abraham that you and Sarah are going to have a child. And through your descendants, all the nations on earth, all the peoples of earth will be blessed. So she's a fulfillment of that promise. Now, she took some great risk in this story, didn't she? 
the whole city is ready for war. They know the Israelites are coming. They're, they're afraid of them. They're, they're, they're getting ready for a great battle. And she meets these two spies. She hides them and she lies to the king's men. Why would she do that? Well, we see the answer in the chapter again in verse 9. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. The Lord your God is God in heaven above on the earth below. So see along with all these people of Jericho have heard these stories of, of how God is, is going before the Israelites and with the Israelites and, 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 and they're defeating all their enemies. And, and rumors are spreading like wildfire. People are afraid. But only Rahab had the foresight and the faith to believe that the Lord himself, as he says, was the God in heaven above and on the earth below. In other words, she knew that he was the one true God. He was the greatest God. And when it came time to choose sides, she chose to side with him and his people. And she even went so far as to make provision for her people. We saw that where she, she makes an oath with him. If, if you come in and I take care of you, you'll take care of my people. And they make an oath. And the sign and seal of the oath is a scarlet cord. Now, why would a scarlet cord have been chosen? Well, practical reasons, of course. In a chaos of a battle, a scarlet cord hanging from a window would have been easily seen, and they would have known to leave her and her family alone. But there's a deeper symbolism going on here. Because a scarlet cord reminds us of something, and it points to something. The scarlet cord reminds us of the blood of the Passover, and it points to the blood of Christ shed for us on the cross. Now, remember the Passover story? Uh, just a kind of recap for you. The people of Israel are in slavery for a long time in Egypt, and God sends Moses to, to get them free. Moses resists, won't do it. So God sends plague after plague. Pharaoh stays stubborn, won't do it. And then finally, God sends a final plague, which gets his attention, and Pharaoh releases the people. Remember what it was? A plague comes upon the earth, and all the firstborn of the land die. And the Israelites are spared. Why? Because they listened to God's instructions through Moses and they spread the blood of a, of a lamb, scarlet blood of a lamb, over the doorpost. And so when the plague comes through, they're spared. And the parallels between the two stories are really no accident. Rahab and her family are spared death because of a scarlet cord hanging from a window. Just as the Israelites are saved by the scarlet blood of a lamb over their doorpost. Now note that in verse 21, as soon as the spies leave, what does Rahab do? Immediately, it says, she hangs a scarlet cord out the window so everybody can see it. And she has no idea when the attack's going to come. It could have happened that day. It could have been days. It could have been weeks of, of siege. She had no idea. It didn't matter. She believed the promise, and she immediately acted upon it. And, and that's a really teaches a great lesson about faith. Faith is hearing the promises of God and then acting upon them. Faith is hearing the promises of God and then acting upon them. I mean, what would have happened if Rahab would have delayed? And maybe the attack would have happened right away, and she hadn't hung the cord out. Would she have been saved? No. 
She would have been lost along with everybody else. She heard the truth. She believed. And she acted upon it. And because she did, she's included in the the Faith Hall of Fame. A, A great lesson for us. Because, you see, somebody can be a religious person. They can be seen as very moral in the eyes of others. They can even hear the gospel. But if they do not respond to it, they don't act upon the promises of God. They won't be saved. Until by faith a person comes to faith in Christ personally, we're lost. And she heard the promise. She acted immediately upon it. And she was she was saved. You know, this is one of my favorite stories on a lot of levels, but one of, it, one of them is because it teaches us that nobody is beyond the reach of God's grace. Even in the midst of judgment, God reaches out and saves a prostitute who turns to him in faith. God, in a sense, says, I know your past. I know who you are. I know what you've done. I, I know how people view you. But that's not how I see you. You've believed in me. You're saved. You're now part of my family. You know, one of the old uh, gospel songs puts it in the form of a question about about the whole sin issue. It says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is a wonderful message of hope for us because the worse we feel about ourselves, the more hope we can find in the story and person of Rahab. There is no pitch so deep, no sin so terrible that the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't reach further and can't cover it. But sometimes I've talked with people and they say, what if I don't know enough about this stuff to make a decision? Well, seek it out, talk about it, pray about it. But Rahab knew very little. And she was saved. You see, it's not how much faith we have. It's where we place our faith. It's not the amount of faith that matters. It's the object of our faith. Now, sure, we're supposed to grow in our faith, but we're not saved by how much faith we have. We're saved by who we put, by the object of our faith. And the object of our faith is to be Jesus Christ. Now, one final word and I'm done. What happened to Rahab after the story of Jericho? What, what happened to her next? We don't know a lot, but we do know this much. She married um, an Israelite man named Salmon, and together they had a son named Boaz, whose name pops up in the book of Ruth. And Boaz and Ruth gave birth to a man named, a boy named Obed, who then had a son, Jesse, who then had the son, David, who became the king of Israel. And hundreds of years later, Rahab's name appears on the first page of the New Testament in Matthew 1, where Matthew gives us the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus. And it says this, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And it goes on all the way up to the birth of Jesus Christ. Rahab, the prostitute, was included in the family tree of Jesus. That's amazing. No longer was she to be known as Rahab the prostitute. Now she was Rahab, a child of God, part of Jesus' family. There's a, there's a sentence 
from a, a, a gospel hymn called To God Be the Glory. We've sung it sometimes in church, and it, it speaks to the, the promise of God and what it, what it means for us. Yeah. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. To every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. What a great promise. What a great truth. The vilest offender, no matter what you've done, the moment you believe in Jesus, a pardon you receive. Maybe this morning you feel like you're hanging on by a thread and your life or your marriage or your kids or your work, or your health or whatever isn't what you want it to be. And you're just kind of hanging on, waiting for something to turn, but not having much hope of it. I want to encourage you to hang on to a different thread. The scarlet thread of Jesus' death and sacrifice. The scarlet thread of his blood shed for you and me. Hear God's promises. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9 says, that Jesus was Lord and died and rose again, you will be saved. That's a promise. Act upon it. Hear the promise, believe it, and act upon it. The story of Rahab tells us, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, if you do so, you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Rahab, and we thank you for her example of faith. And Lord, we draw hope from it because um, so many of us, myself included, have done things that we're ashamed of, that we would not want to be made public. We, we don't want those things, Lord. And, and yet, Lord, we know that when we come to you, in faith and trust in Jesus, that scarlet thread of his blood shed for us. We know without a doubt that you promise that we are saved. That what Jesus Christ has done is enough for us. We can't add to it. All we need to do is simply trust. And so, Lord, we know that when we do that, like Rahab and like Moses and David and others, we too will be a part of your family. So, Lord, this morning as we prepare to close this service, Father, I pray for each person here that you would speak to them and, and if somebody here has not made a commitment to follow you, have not trusted in you, Lord, I pray that they would do so, that they would cry out to you and, and ask for your strength and your forgiveness, that they would ask that you would save them through Jesus Christ and what he's done. Lord, we thank you that you are a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. We're grateful for that and we count on it. In Jesus' name. Amen.